Hello and welcome to the Dead Letter Movie Podcast. This is episode 68, recorded June 12th, 2022. I'm Tim. I'm Andrew. And we're starting off a new summer movie series. Ultimately decided to go with the title Movies of Summer's Past. And what we will be doing is we will be taking a film from 1982 and comparing it with a movie that's at least 10 years older. So on the decade. So movies from 92, 2002, 2012. And if we can find something for 2022, we might just do that as well. So that's what we're looking at here. So and today we are comparing PG horror film. So we're starting off with Poltergeist and we will be comparing it, contrasting it, pairing it with Paranorman from 2012. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what we're doing. We're, we're starting with Poltergeist uh, from 1982, directed officially sort of officially officially uh, certainly officially by by toby hooper definite involvement from spielberg this this has become sort of a a cultural touchstone over the years as Mm -hmm. sort of a a horror classic and uh pg remarkably this this is also a uh, skeleton in my movie closet or was i've i've only just watched this for the first time i'll i'll write up some some more of my thoughts look for an essay on on that on the site a little bit later better a skeleton in your closet than in your pool yeah yeah definitely yeah especially when you can open the closet door and there's not a swirling vortex into the netherworld oh yeah all right so uh to go into to to talk about poltergeist i think it's important that we discuss the context of what is 1982 and what is going on here so why 1982 for this particular series so um the summer blockbuster as we know it has been a thing for quite some time um in a lot of ways uh jaws in 1975 is one of the beginning summer blockbuster things if not the first big summer blockbuster it was a wide release film before that movies generally went from market to market one place at a time things weren't like released everywhere at the same time like they are today and so like jaws is one of the is the first big example of that and then we have other ones as we go along we like the like star wars and empire strike back are actually examples of this as well but it wasn't really until 1982 did the whole summer movie season concept really solidify? This is a year when a lot of important movies, movies that Tim and I will be covering, come up. And one of them in particular, that's actually a pretty big summer blockbuster movie. It held the box office. Um, actually, I think, like, yeah, I think this held the box office record until Jurassic Park. So it was um, E.T. Mm-hmm. And so we, it's hard for us to talk about po- Poltergeist without talking about E.T., but we'll get to that a little bit later. And so 1982, Steven Spielberg is coming off, um, you know, Close Encounters of a Third Kind. He'd already pretty much made a good name for himself at this point. And so he wanted to uh, make a horror film ultimately. And but uh, I'll get into that a little bit later about the behind the scenes stuff. He decided that he wanted to get involved with Toby Hooper to help make this movie. And, and that's how we got Poltergeist in 1982. And this became a, a pretty big deal. Um, a lot of people say that it is one of the gateway horror films um, that they saw growing up. Um, and with that PG rating, it definitely allowed access to a lot of other different people. And so, yeah, this is the movie about the Freelings. The Freelings are a family who live in a suburban neighborhood in somewhere in, well, Cuesta Verde, California. I don't think that's the town. I think that's the name of the the, yeah, the housing I think that's development. The, the, yeah, the neighborhood there. Yeah, yeah, that's the housing development, and they, uh, I, uh, you know, have a pretty normal time. The first few minutes of the movie does a pretty good job of like setting up suburban idyllic normalness in a lot of ways. Uh, but then one day, um, things start to get weird. Things start happening in the kitchen, and then things start happening with the TV. And their little girl Carol Ann suddenly disappears. Sounds seems, and they can only talk to her through the television. So. 
what will they do? Well, they go out and get the proto-Ghostbusters from the university, who's, I guess, they're parapsychologists. They come, they do some tests, they figure things out, realize that they're in over their heads, and then they get a, I, I'm not sure if spiritualist, or a medium, I guess, yeah, a medium. They get a medium, Zelda Rubenstein, to come and save the day, and eventually, through quite a lot of interdimensional traveling, we get Carol Ann back. And mm-hmm. seems like everything's going okay, until a little bit later and when all of a sudden we learn that now it should be noted that craig t nelson um who is the dad mr freeling who this is the most proto mr incredible he sounds to me here (laughs) uh he works for a house uh, he works for a housing um contractor um i don't know uh, a housing developer there we go he works for a housing developer and he finds out ultimately that this whole development has been built on a old cemetery and they did not move the headstone. I mean, sorry, they did not move the bodies, just the headstones. And it seems that the dead are pretty upset about that. So there's this big, very spectacular final coda of the film where we see a bunch of bodies come up from the ground and ultimately the house gets sucked in on themselves as they run away. <laughs> so it is uh, definitely worth watching, y'all. It is uh, one of my favorite 80s horror films. It's a movie that would be on HBO for no good reason sometimes. It would just be on, well... <laughs> It, it seemed to be like, I, it must have been one of the programmers like, ah, it's PG, I can show this at any time. Because um, I remember catching the the meat face rip scene so many times after school. So, but yeah, that's uh, that that's the movie in a nutshell. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll have some some more thoughts in uh, in my forthcoming essay, but I, I have to agree. This is, uh, it, it holds up very well for, uh, for something of its time. And yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. Some of the effects are a little dated now, but I mean, e- even with that in mind, they still work. You know, it, it, yeah, it's, and it's, it still gives the effect within in the movie. So yeah. the, the the scares and the the growing sense of unease and it and it builds mm-hmm. very slowly. It starts with little things in the kitchen moving just a little and and things. It's like, well, yeah, that's 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 probably you know, some some you know solar flare or something affecting you know, magnetic yeah, yeah. fields. Whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, not a big deal. It'll it'll pass. Happens all the time. Your radio is a little fuzzy. It happens, mm-hmm. um, but it, it gradually builds and it gets worse and and worse and 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 worse. And and there's the there's the fake out ending. You know, really, really everything in this movie still still works pretty well. You know, today as you know, you know, I'm I'm, I'm much more cynical than than I used to be about yeah. these kind of things. It's like you know, I've seen seen all these tricks, but you know, when mm-hmm. when they're well executed, even even if you know the trick, it's it, it it still works. And there's a lot of that going on here. Yeah, I feel like this movie has you know been kind of parodied enough that you know maybe it has lost some of its staying power. But I don't actually think that's totally true. I think some of its scares are still pretty like still pretty much work. Like mm-hmm. um like the the big skulls coming out and yelling at Craig T. Nelson is still pretty pretty uh, is still you know pretty terrifying. And the four legged demon ghost skull thing that yells at you know Joe Beth Williams is also you know kind of effective and. Like and then all the bodies coming up out of the pool and all that like that mm-hmm. that stuff still works really well I think and that like the it's interesting like what really works still in this movie is that the family dynamic still really works um, you kind of although there are times when I feel like the teenage daughter is underutilized <laughs> um, the 
but you feel like that this is like a group of people that you know love each other and like you know care about each other and want this to work even when they send the son off to be like okay you mm-hmm. gotta go be mm-hmm. somewhere else take the dog with you and, yeah. like, and that that's that feels like a, a good idea <laughs> um so it's yeah so the things that work in it are scares are really good the overall mood of it is really good the characters are very interesting the way the movie looks is also very important as well i think it's got this i mean it's i feel like it's just like that's just kind of how movies in the early 80s kind of looked was this sort of like way that you shot back then i don't really know if it was like film stock or something like that but it definitely has this feel that gives it a it feels homely like it feels like it feels like cozy in a house sort of way but also has that kind of undermining sense of dread still that yeah just because you're home doesn't mean it's safe and i and i like that there's, feel... there's there's sort of a you know a warm sort of shimmering haze kind of around all of it where it's like you know things are you know just just a little bit ever so slightly out of focus around the edges where mm-hmm. it, it feels you know comfortable until it doesn't because until it doesn't, be, yeah. because because this is not that kind of movie but mm-hmm. yeah yeah the, the atmosphere is, is well established here and it it is of its time but it doesn't feel out of place now it it, mm-hmm. it has has that that same kind of vibe that you know things like you know Stranger Things in uh, in more oh, recent yeah. years have, have recaptured. It's like oh that that transports you back like instantly. It's this this movie still does that forty years on. Absolutely, and I think this is one of the first movie, if not like the first movie, to really focus on a haunted house that isn't old. Like this isn't like some kind of stately manor house. This is a this is a suburban home. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't like where these kind of things are supposed to happen. Like that's supposed like the it's like that the house they're living in is like probably five years old at the most. Like maybe it's if that it's probably like two years old maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. And so like that's like that's not the house. I mean that's the house Carol Ann's growing up in, but that's not like the house where all those kids were from. You know. So like that kind of explains a lot of just you know the uh, the kind of talks about this like illusion of safety that's in that that we kind of put in suburban life, mm-hmm. um, but we can we can get that into into a second. Um, so uh, the things that kind of like don't work, um, I don't actually have a whole lot of things that um, that that don't work here. I mean there are some like plot conveniences that happen, <laughs> um, but I kind of chalk that up to it's the eighties and we didn't think of doing things like that back then. The I mean there are some effects that that work better than others um the as as much as i enjoy the like the 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 compass playing the lp it does look a little silly but uh yeah yeah like that, that's the only big one but um, i find it interesting of how many of these effects also seem to be kind of riffed on in ghostbusters later too i don't know as a you know as a huge ghostbusters fan like I, it's kind of cool to see where certain ideas got originated like i very much think the whole dana getting attacked by the terror dog in in ghostbusters very much is in line with a lot of stuff in this movie yeah yeah particularly the the bit with the uh, the unfinished pool at the end absolutely yep and that unfinished pool thing is like just a very like it it, it kind of goes into that whole theme of like that well I, I think the theme of like opulence that's supposed to be in mm-hmm. in suburban life especially in the 80s the like even this like nice thing you have like that you're trying to make happen can can be tainted mm-hmm. um i'm also a big fan of that big scary tree um i think that is a kind of I think everybody who was a child has had a big scary tree. <laughs> um, and so I think that is a great utilization of, 
of that. Sometimes that tree looks faker than it used. That's the weird thing about it. Like sometimes it's like I have a hard time buying the tree, but when it's attacking the kid, it totally works. Like when it is just being a tree, it looks faker to me than when it's yeah, like yeah. a big branch coming to eat the kid. Like I don't get that, but that's that's the my only like weird little that's one of the few practical moments where I'm just like. Uh, also yeah. also I, I think before the guy rips off his face looks uh, like literally that shot looks a little silly but yeah in a, but in a fun way <laughs> yeah the the tree in particular i i think you can chalk up largely to the to the lighting mm-hmm. uh because when, when you see it in the daytime it's like yeah that's that's not really a real tree and it doesn't quite look like one but you know in, mm-hmm. in the dim lighting with the, the lightning flashing it's like you can can buy it a little easier because you don't see it as clearly mm-hmm all right, so like, uh, okay, I'll tell you one thing about some, so like going on like some general deeper themes that are in this movie, then I think that like people will let on. One of them is on purpose and one of them is not on purpose. Um, so the, so like one of the things on purpose is the whole like, you know, you're really like, sure you can be in the suburban place, but bad things can happen anywhere. Um, that kind of thing is definitely there. But I'll tell you one thing that definitely hits different now is when you think about the housing crisis we are having currently this movie definitely hits different um i kind of feel like now i know we remade this movie um some time ago but i feel like if we remade it now with millennials it would be a very different thing it'd be like yeah. i don't care if this house is haunted i spent a lot of money on this i'm staying here uh-huh. um, <laughs> like, and there's nowhere else to go yeah and there's nowhere else to go like that that's another thing like like that like this definitely hits different with that kind of yeah with that in mind and like you kind of almost understand like trying to fix the problem at first and but then with them wanting to just leave you're just like oh but could you like i don't like you really couldn't now Oof. i do think there's something interesting about i do wonder if the freelings had to get married because of that teenage daughter and because there's a huge difference between her and and their their middle son and so like i wonder what's what's going on there i also like i mean we definitely have some like pot smoking yuppies and like slash reaganites <laughs> And so, like, I feel like that there's definitely something there as well. Like, this is what happens when, yeah, you could have been totally into, like, you know, hippies and free love and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you just wanted this. And maybe mm-hmm. maybe there's something about, like, the betrayal of that kind of idealism. And, like, this is what you get um, for that. Um, not so much as, like, I'm, I'm not, like, I'm only kind of, like, sort of surface level thinking about that. But that is, like, a question that I have. Like, is this kind of, like, flipping that on the whole, like, you had these ideals that you didn't ultimately buy into or follow through with instead you just kind of went with what you felt like society told you to do and and even then that's still not a great thing like still like that doesn't keep you safe from something that can get you so like that's that's and they're and they're ultimately when you consider the fact that this is a a development built over over a cemetery like this is this is what happens with capitalism gets to you right i mean like we we wanted some space to like grow some stuff and to make some more money and like this is what you reap when you sow that, I guess. I don't know. What do you got anything like that, Tim? I mean, like, I know you're gonna write an essay or something, but still. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I'll 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 dig a little bit more into some okay. of that, but you're 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 not wrong. I mean, that that theme was well established and clearly intentional. There mm-hmm. there are a handful of scenes where it's like we're we're kind of laying this out, which was a little odd being that this was 1982 and this was not like, you know, the, the height of, of eighties excess quite. Not yet. Not yet. I would say that'd be a few years down the line. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was a little bit weirdly prescient or, or forewarning in, in that way, Mm -hmm. given when it came out. Yeah. That's, that's certainly there. It, it doesn't go super, super deep. It it's, it's pretty surface level, but I mean, that's, that's a time honored traditions, you know, 
I'm, I'm going to tie this back to Star Trek again. Heaven help me. Um, it's like, yeah, it's there's, there's, there's this surface layer, right. And, but the, the, the meat of it is not buried real deep. And it's like, we're, we're going to put this in there and you know, the, the suits are not going to notice because they're really not paying attention, but anyone who actually watches will notice if they're paying any attention at all. Like building a house over a cemetery. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also noticed that I think, um, now this was before the McMartin trials of the of the mid eighties, which was like, but you, you can look this up, everybody. This is like, there's so many podcasts about this, but that's that's a daycare center that got accused of satanic worship and child abuse and everything. But so, like, I noticed the whole child abduction thing, which I remember being a big fear in the in the eighties after this, like coming. So it's kind of prescient in that sense too, because you know Carol Ann gets taken away and people don't yeah. know what's going on and. And we don't really have like an idea how long this takes. I'm assuming at least a week. Yeah, and it's it's a little fuzzy. Yeah, it's a little fuzzy. Like in the time that Carol Ann is missing. I mean, uh, there's definitely that post prologue. I mean, that that coda at the end, I think is, you know, that's definitely a, they had to get things together to get a, you know, moving truck going and all that. So that that's definitely something that took that's that's a good chunk of time later. But yeah, there, there are points where they established some time has passed. So it's like, yeah, the, the little girl vanishes and, and they they say well we we don't go in that room anymore so it's it and and a few other you know little little lines or it's okay some some time has passed before mm-hmm. they they call in these these people from the university and they're they're trying to keep it you know discreet because they they don't want the attention on top of everything else that's but they're they're also stressed out and they're but they're still staying in the house mm-hmm. it's it's clear well, where are they gonna point, go I yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah. So some some time passes between that night and and then when we pick up again, and and then you know once once that happens, okay, so that that takes place over the course of a few days, and then a little more time passes after before we we get sort of the the epilogue, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's a, a a little fuzzy. It's it's not real concrete, but it it doesn't need to be. No, a thing I also find kind of like an interesting, like, I don't know, I wouldn't call this a theme, but I do kind of find it an interesting um, satirization maybe of the suburban thing is that the him and the neighbor are like, the, we're supposed to think of like, you know, suburban life is supposed to be everyone in harmony with each other and, <laughs> and things like that. And, and his neighbor really sucks. Um, <laughs> like, and we don't know about the guy, ne- the other guy on the other side of the house. Like, I want to know about like, you know, it's really only the guy next door who apparently his family doesn't get bitten by mosquitoes or, you know, anything like that. They share the same remote and everything. But when they like come over to like, they do, I mean, it, to their credit, they do come over during the whole pool sequence and then are still useless. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they just see that clearly something's going on in the house and they're both like, eh, you know what, never mind. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this movie does a pretty good job of taking a look at the suburban thing that we're all supposed to be going for that, you know, those 2.5 kids or literally three kids in this case, but you yeah. know, that whole American dream thing. And I think it does a pretty good job of kind of satirizing that. And like, just because you hit meet the American dream doesn't mean you're going to be like skating clean the whole time. Like, I don't know. I like that. <laughs> um, and I feel like that, that hits better now than then I bet. Um, since we're really, you know, with this housing crisis and just the way, like millennials are not being able to buy houses and you know anyone younger than that too like like that really kind of takes a look at that american dream thing and really examines it in a way that is uh, a little more uh, like uh, it just it just it just hits better now i think yeah. i'm just going to say that yeah. it just hits better now yeah so it 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 works on both levels it it works yeah. as a you know a you know a basic you know scary movie kind of thing but oh, absolutely. you know like yeah. like like a lot of the best horror movies and and a lot of science fiction as well it's like well yes but it's it's also an allegory mm-hmm. Yep. Whew. All right. So, yeah. 
anyway i like this movie I've yeah seen it, i've seen it a fair amount uh so one 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 yeah. weird thing that yeah, yeah. And, and this this is a complaint and i can't speak uh with with 100 certainty mm-hmm. as as to the source of it so i i watched this streaming it's currently on uh, on hbo max mm-hmm. the sound mix was awful oh okay i i wonder if that's an hbo max because it's usually fine might like, might be yeah. So I, yeah. I can't swear to it. So this this might be different on a on a DVD yeah. or, or other disc release or you know um, I, I I like that there's a, a big dynamic range in the audio. There's there's quiet and there's there's loud and and they're 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 not real close together. But to the to to my experience to the to the detriment of it, some of the quiet stuff was too quiet. Okay. Yeah, like like where where the where the dialogue was intentionally quiet, and some scenes where it wasn't so intentionally quiet. The the dialogue was a little too low, and then the loud scenes where if you know were that classic yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, just just yeah. you know blow did, your eardrums out kind of thing. I did not have that issue. Yeah. So it's yeah. so minor thing there. Maybe that's my setup. Maybe that's yeah. that's the the stream I, that I I had. I listened to it with headphones on, so I didn't have any like multi-channel stuff going on. So I just had like stereo. So it was and, yeah, and I yeah. didn't have any problem there. But um, eh, I don't know. Yeah, so yeah, because yeah, I, I feel like all the other times I've watched it, it's been generally okay. So yeah, it must be an HBO Max thing. It's um, it's it's possible, and you know, sound sound gets me remixed. You know, from one from one release to another, and it's mm-hmm. well, I think it wasn't a problem on Shutter though. Yeah, so like that's hmm, interesting. Yeah, because I would assume that they would like that it would be provided the same thing. So it must have been something random. <laughs> That's annoying. It was a bit. All right. So, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so like uh, some special feature kind of stuff. Um, we talked about earlier about how this is officially directed by Toby Hooper. This is another thing that there are whole podcasts about and whole things that you can dig deep in if you want to. So there is a there's a longstanding rumor that Steven Spielberg ghost directed this and had Toby Hooper just take the credit. Um, the reason for this rumor is that he had been had just done ET and had yeah. and it was like and he was supposed contractually to be bound contractually to, to, bound to, to not, not be working on something within some some time frame. Yeah, yeah, like, like that's so goes the so goes the legend. Um, and there are some people like Zelda Rubenstein said she don't she always claimed that she was directed by Spielberg, but then there are other people in the cast that were just like, well, I don't know, Toby was there, man, he was doing stuff. I don't like I don't know where yeah. that's coming from, but so. The so it seems to be a, a at least a collaborative effort. And uh, Toby Hooper is you know no longer with us, so I don't we're never going to get any clear things from him. So it's up to Stephen on that one. But yeah, I, not not that Toby Hooper never remarked on it. So I I've done a little mm-hmm. bit of reading as as well, and he he gave an interview at some point where it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I I was I was directing, but you know Stephen was often there on set, and 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 you know Toby Hooper would would ask for his input, and and mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg would would give him pointers and things, and and he was still you know an, an EP, so you know that was you know certainly within his purview anyway yeah, it's on, definitely on a this thing film. He would do, yeah, yeah. So and when you're when you're making a special effects heavy movie and you're the EP on it, you're gonna make sure money is being spent correctly because <laughs> um, you want to get your money's worth out of it and. But mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, and that was totally Spielberg's wheelhouse because he he'd been doing yeah. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it makes a lot of sense that that he would have been there. And I mean, if if he was you know de facto directing some scenes, you know, like Zelda Rubenstein was mm-hmm. not on set for the entire shoot. She's in a few nope. scenes, mm-hmm. and so you know, a lot of the others, you know, that that could have all been Toby. But you know, if if Spielberg was there and and directed a few, you know, that's not really so surprising yeah like and there are definitely things that seem more spielbergy than 
than other things but there are definitely some toby hoover parts of this movie <laughs> especially especially that pool scene like if you watch the texas chainsaw massacre and then see that pool scene um or just basically that whole post coda like that that whole last scare co- coda like that's mm-hmm. that is like some definite toby hooper stuff going on here yeah. um, and those are real skeletons and a lot of people like there's some there's a lot of rumor like there for a long time there was like oh did you know they used real skeletons in that movie and there was like a thing about whether or not that was a myth and like that those are real skeletons however most movies did use real skeletons when they called upon it like that's not an unusual thing that they were doing there so like medical skeletons are often used in horror movies and just movies in general so i mean like there are real skeletons in like temple of doom there's real skeletons in like a bunch of stuff yeah so that's yep. not that unusual of a thing uh, however like if you really this is another thing that we're not going to go too deep in because there's other people that put much more research into it than i than i would have wanted to and that's like there is a lot of cursed talk about this uh, a good number of people involved in this did die kind of untimely uh, the teenage daughter who i complained about being a little underutilized um, uh, she was killed by her boyfriend actually like rather soon after this was finished yeah b- before the movie even released apparently. yeah dominique dunn yeah and uh, and then heather o'rourke would end up would end up dying during the filming of the third poltergeist movie and so like there's and that and that's carol ann and so like it's uh there is that that's been haunting the movie and that is you know that's one of those things where i feel like if you look at any kind of movie you're gonna find something like you're mm-hmm. gonna look for it and but i gotta admit it's creepy but like it I'm like i don't 100 percent buy into like the cursedness of it i think it's just bad things that happen and sometimes that's just what happens um however if you really want to get into it the there's a whole show called cursed movies or cursed films that you can like watch about it they go into it in depth if that's what you want to get into admit it is creepy and it does kind of add to the mystique of this movie it does a bit and and did apparently you know sort of extend to the rest of the franchise because there there have been sequels which Mm -hmm. i yeah i i have not seen all of them i had seen part most actually of of uh of poltergeist 2 on on basic cable yeah yeah yeah. daytime showing you with with commercials and and some some edits here and there yeah this is not great yeah it's not completely terrible but it wasn't great and that does that does the sequels do try to rectify the one thing but i don't think it rectifies it very well because there's this one big thing that i didn't talk about a moment ago but that we don't really have a good reason why this is specifically happening to the freelings when it could have been happening to anybody in the housing development or maybe it is happening to other people in the housing development i mean like i'm surprised they didn't go that route for a sequel like Mm, just yeah but two doors down from the freelings this was happening and it could have been a totally different kind of ghosts totally different kinds of hauntings could have been totally different things yeah and that that could have been much more interesting sort of expanded the the scope of it a, a bit yeah and I, I admit like that would definitely be a bad title or something poltergeist the next door or you know yeah <laughs> or or whatever like it, it sounds like a bad amityville sequel but it's yeah like that that's they do try to they do get into that with the sequels they have this whole thing about this like creepy old ghost guy and i don't i never really understood it those movies are okay um there's some neat camera work in the third one um there's a lot of good use of mirrors in that one but other than that i wouldn't say they're totally worth your time um this is the one to check out (laughs) yeah so uh one one other thing that i want to talk about is uh is is the pg rating yeah, so this is this is an important thing because that's it, part it of is. our theme today is PG yeah. rated horror. So yeah, uh, and there's there's some history here. It's it's well known that you know Spielberg pushed for and and eventually got the uh, the MPAA to expand their rating system to include a PG thirteen between a PG and an R. 
And until the, the mid 80s, that didn't exist. And this movie originally got the R and Spielberg and, and Hooper and, and some others apparently from uh, from the studio lobbied and and got this reduced to the PG before it was released. So this this to me, I mean, there's there's no question if if this went before a, a ratings board today would get a PG-13. Yeah, it's no doubt, it's yeah. it's pretty solidly in that bucket mm-hmm. as as it is given that there was PG and then R, this is, this is questionable. I, I could have seen this going either way in front of a lot of boards. There are a couple of things that make me question, you know, what exactly happened that this got reduced to the, to the PG. And so I, I get why they, they want a broader audience and, and all of that, which is mm-hmm. even more a thing now, why we have so, so many PG 13 movies yep. that are not R. It's like, we're going to take it up to that edge and not go any further, but we don't have a whole lot of G or PG films. It's a, yeah. I know. Uh, they've it's, almost, it's, they virtually like are gone almost. Yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre. So like the, like the, the face ripping scene to me, it's like, yeah, that, that would, that would push it over that line for me. Mm-hmm. They, they could have toned that down a little maybe it's okay that then and there, there are a couple of other things it's like yeah that's 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 questionable it could go either way but this has the pg it's yeah i mean you know your kids know your kids i i kind of like i don't think it's any worse than like the nazis melting in raiders yeah and which so, which is 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 fair certainly um, yeah so like and, and to me like and, and and i'm also comparing this to like other movies that came out around that time too and like i don't think it's particularly like yes it's more violent than the average movie but like there's a lot of pg horror films that mm-hmm. went that direction especially in the 70s and the and so to me i still think this is kind of like it's a pg-13 movie now for sure oh, but yeah. um, i think if i had been on the mpa i probably still would have been oh this is a pg especially if i had been watching the thing which was coming out the same year mm-hmm. um so if like uh but and uh, that's the thing like this is a, a problem that a lot of people have with the mpa is that's like they're not there aren't really set standards yeah um, and it's 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 not the same board of people every every yeah. single film and you know, although are too, too many movies and you know it, it changes from year to year and from yep. from movie to movie and all all, yep. all of that it's, so it's, it's, all it's kind people of weird you know? yeah it's just people my favorite weird thing about that is uh so martin scorsese wanted to get taxi driver down to an r rating and kept getting an x rating but so <laughs> but he never changed anything he just kept submitting the same movie over and over to get them desensitized to it and then eventually he got the r rating <laughs> man um <laughs> Wes Craven totally gave up on Last House on the Left. Um, so like he kept getting the X, he kept getting the X, kept getting the X. And so he just uh, just went and stole leader that said, this film is rated R and put that on the end and just lot, like illegally rated it R. Nice. Um, so <laughs> yeah, this is like film ratings is like a, a whole thing. But before we go into our next movie, I wanted to bring up one other random thing about this. And so talking about E.T., E.T. came about from... So the E.T. and Poltergeist actually kind of had their genesis in a project that didn't pan out called Night Skies. And yeah. you, can, you can look this up. That was a story of um, a bunch of aliens who come and kind of terrorize a family, the basic premise. Yeah, and, to, to Common Root was conceived yeah. of as sort of a sequel, maybe, maybe not, to, to so, E.T., Oh, no, no, Cl- uh, Close Encounters, Close Encounters. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Close Encounters, of course. And so, like, so he 
he said he would get so because Jaws two happened, he wanted without without Spielberg's involvement, he wanted to make sure he was involved with the Close Encounters sequel. So he at Columbia was like, hey, what about this Night Skies thing? You know, like we could maybe do that as like a follow up. And so he wanted to keep a Close Encounters sequel from happening, which is mm-hmm. Close Encounters is like a movie with some great special effects, but I definitely have some like uh, some like script problems with that movie. Yeah. Um, like or character script problems specifically. I was like, this movie. If you think about some of the motivations going on here, this is a little weird. But anyway, so they, so he was gonna make this movie Night Skies. So it had John Sayles, um, like write up a write up a screenplay, and but you know, ultimately it didn't really go anywhere. But so they ended up taking like the aliens visiting a family into one movie, and that becomes E.T. And then a suburban family being terrorized in their home into into this and so i think that that's actually kind of i think that's kind of cool that how sometimes one thing can create two things so, yeah. yeah yeah although i i gotta say that the idea of a, a horror sequel to, to close encounters is still kind of a neat idea i agree no it, is, it definitely is yeah we didn't get that we got these two other movies instead which are yeah, both pretty good in their own right. I know I like them a lot. And ET is a big deal. Um, I haven't watched it since it got re-released yeah, with the director's cut. That really wasn't that that great. Um, uh, the 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 walkie-talkie cut. Um, as we yeah, think of it as. yeah. So I and, I it's 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 been a little while for me. And we'll 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 talk more about ET in a in another episode. But. I'm sure it'll come up at some point. Yeah. 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 So but yeah. Now going on into our second PG horror film we're gonna be going into 2012 so we're jumping 30 years here to what's happening now well the zombie is eating her head grandma that's not very nice what's he doing that for because <laughs> he's a zombie Paranorman. This is this is this is a like us. They are a stop motion animation studio out of Oregon. This is Travis Knight's baby. That's Phil Knight's son. So a lot of Nike money went into these movies. Um, <laughs> this is their follow up to Coraline, and so this is about Norman, who is who lives in the town called Blythe Hollow, which I feel like has got to be a play on Blythe Spirits, but I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure. Uh, this is a town in Massachusetts, and it is famous for a witch um, because it's Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And they have a whole tourism thing about it. And yeah, they are celebrating. Uh, they have like their witch days, and they're celebrating the town's history and everything. But the fun thing is that Norman can see dead people. And uh, he can see ghosts, um, usually in the manner in which they are dead <laughs> um, or how they died. Um, mm-hmm. He will walk around his neighborhood and he will see like like half an animal or something. Or he'll see uh, there's a woman who's who's uh, who is a who parachuted into a tree and died. And that's and that's where she's at. Yeah, um, it's just uh, just things like that. And uh, so he is, you know, the weird kid in town and everyone kind of treats him as such. And then one day his uncle comes and tells him that he is supposed to help ward off the witch's curse. The witch cursed the town that one day all the people who condemned her would have would rise up from the grave. And so his uncle tries to give him the instructions on what to do, but however, dies before he gets to really do that. And his ghost him tries to give him even more information and still <laughs> doesn't give him enough. And so Norman tries to go and do the right thing, but doesn't. And then, of course, the, the dead rise up and they have to deal with the problem. And uh, ultimately, 
Norman ends up solving, uh, ends up saving the day through compassion and empathy when he meets the witch. And instead of, you know, trying to fight her, fight her, he instead shows how he understands and, you know, listens to her and tries to be a friend. And that's what ultimately solves the problem. I guess that's a, the, the quick and dirty way of describing that movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And this movie, I like both movies start off in manners that really set the tone of what they're going to be. So there's a lot of normalcy going on for, for Poltergeist, but Paranorman begins with a cheesy zombie movie and like a, a cheesy zombie movie that Norman is watching on, t- is that Norman is watching on TV and it is, it kind of gives you an idea of what you're in for. Yeah. You're gonna have... Sets the tone immediately and it's, it's mm-hmm. intentionally cheesy and it's like the, 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 the actors in this little movie within a movie clearly know it's bad and, and things mm-hmm. aren't quite working and <laughs> Yes, and edited poorly, like, um, yeah. like just, yeah, yeah. So but, there's, there's there's a lot of you know meta you know winking kind of stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so yeah, the uh, the film itself is you know it's it's very entertaining. It is a movie that I tend to watch around Halloween every year. It's a good rewatch. I don't know if it's my favorite movie from Leica, but I do like it a lot. Um, like I think Kubo and the Two Strings, I still think is probably at least like the is probably their best film. Although Coraline is really good too. Um, Coraline may have a better like cohesive story, but Kubo has better animation for sure, um, and that makes sense. I mean, that's their fourth, that's the the first movie in the third or in the fourth movie. So yeah, it's like it, yeah. it makes, stands to reason that they would get better at what they're doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the thing I really like about about Paranorman is that it is it's very tongue in cheek. It's very it's very silly. It is very much more family friendly than Poltergeist is, but mm-hmm. it still has like like <laughs> we talk about like there's there's face ripping and brains flying out in this one, but because it's stop motion, it's not that. Yeah, you know, it's not as it's, disturbing. It's, it's it's a it's a deliberately you know cartoony aesthetic. These these are cartoon characters. The the way they're they're shaped things are kind of askew and off kilter and yeah it's it's not meant to be you know you know gory adult horror kind of stuff not really i don't think there's there there are shades of that but you know with with cartoony colors and and aesthetic you know more more for kids so this this is a family horror comedy Mm. yeah again know your kids this isn't for everybody but well there's no blood in this no i think i mean there's like severed limbs and stuff but there isn't any like that no no one bleeds in any point in this movie yeah it's 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 more you know stuff kind of kind of played for laughs like you might have seen on you know like the adams family or the monsters kind of stuff yeah it's much much more in that vein and I, I, the only time I really think that's like, there's a particularly like scary sequence is when he's like confronting Agatha, when he's like, when he's going to talk to the witch. Oh, and, uh, and like, and, well, we can get to themes later. Yeah. Um, and that like, that's like the only, the way that that shot is shot in a kind of like, that one is probably the, the most um, scary sequence I would, I would think. And um, one sequence as opposed to yeah, like several. There, that, that, there, there, there are others, um, there, there are other, you know, deliberately scary sequences, you know, like, like when the zombies first appear, it's like, mm-hmm. that's that's horrifying and it's supposed to be but it's yeah. it's yeah again it's 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 degrees like that's that's like a, a two or a three where mm-hmm. you know as, as opposed to you know like a like a 10 for like a you know texas chainsaw massacre or something yeah totally yeah so i think uh i think there's a lot of uh there's a lot of interesting themes of like being who you are who you're supposed to be and norman is never really he's he's kind of a reluctant hero um because he's having to deal with the fact that he can that he's different from everyone else but he doesn't really seem to try to be someone else that's something i find really interesting he's like he kind of accepts that this is what what it is for him um and he's yeah sort of he, like, he just doesn't want to you know be very very visible about it like he, yeah like he, he he feels it's kind of a 
kind of a, a private thing. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, he, he talks to his family about it because he, he kind of has to. Living and dead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, doesn't doesn't really want to just, you know, make it public mm-hmm. all all the dang time. Yeah, and 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 I I get it because he he knows it's weird and people will think it's weird. <laughs> yep, and that, and that's the thing I like about him is that he's a very self-aware protagonist, whereas like his friend is not so much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's fine. I mean, like they're kids. They're I I, I it seems to I want to say I don't know if we're are we given a straight up like age I can't remember. Um, I feel like he's in like early middle school. Is, I don't know. Uh, I I, like, I felt like he was a little bit younger. Like he was maybe nine. Like like late elementary uh, school. See, I was thinking like he was like maybe eleven or like like eleven or twelve is what I kind of thought. Because yeah. like you don't really have element. You don't really have lockers in elementary school. Was why I, thought I don't know. That. I mean some yeah. some do. I mean yeah we yeah. we didn't. But I mean yeah. yeah. Some some do. I I don't know. It's 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 kind of murky. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like that's that's what any well he has a teenage sister. That's for sure. We know yeah, that she's yeah. a, she's a, she's a cheerleader played by Anna Kendrick. And um so and I do like the the Scooby Gang that he builds in this. So because he has he has his friend Neil and he has Neil's brother who is this big jock type football character. And then mm-hmm. there's, there's Alvin who can't even spell his own name. Who is, who's the booty, who is the, who is the, who is the bully. Yeah. And, and he very much under, like very much gets on Norman's side once things start to go down. And uh, which is, which, which I know for some people could be like a thing they don't hundred percent buy, but yeah. It, I, and it, I get that. Even then it takes him a little too long to get there, but yeah, but that's because he's dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> but the thing I really like about it is that he's played by McLovin. I think that's actually yeah. some pretty good, some pretty good casting there. Yeah, no, the the, the cast is really solid overall. Yeah, mm-hmm. pitch perfect. John Goodman, not not oh, not yeah. his not his best role, but he he knows exactly what this part calls for and and does it does it very well. Mm-hmm. And if if this was a live action movie, I still think it would have been him. Yeah, yeah, I I could have seen him doing this. Yeah, and it would have been it would have been really still just as good like just as good of a performance. But you know, it's hard to have zombies take over a town with the you know, yeah runs uh, into a runs into all uh, kinds of other stuff but you know then again stop motion animation is not cheap that's not cheap either yeah this this movie took like three years to make Mm -hmm. because that's how long these things make (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. how long these Mm -hmm. things take so i mean like you think about like you know 24 different poses a second folks that's uh it's a lot of seconds so anyway so yeah the like a lot of the big themes that i find is that we have so norman is is uh, and I'm not going to go super in depth here because you can listen to a horror queers episode about it. That you know, Norman is very is a queer coded character in that he's sort of outside that heteronormative role that we usually see in our heroes and our in our protagonists. And I'm not saying it's never like explicitly said that he's gay, but I mean like there's definitely a lot of people treating him like that. His family kind of treat him like that. Um, there's like a line where he says like my dad shouldn't be afraid of me. Um, that kind of rings as a as a kind of a queer quoted line to me okay. um, and so like that's like and that's something I find like a, a lot more fascinating and the the and the actor who voiced this you know also goes on to play you know the uh, the other lead in Power of the Dog a, a also very not yeah, explicitly yeah. not explicitly stated as gay but still very queer coded character and that he's outside that heteronormative stuff never mind that both of those movies feature traditionally masculine characters as you know as gay so that's something that i find actually particularly interesting um this is supposedly um i guess this is a kind of like a a special feature thing this is supposed to be like the first time we had an out gay character in an animated film which still feels a little dubious because it's literally just a line that is said but when i saw this in the theater 
I heard a mom literally kind of like go, what? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I, I, I confess, I had a similar reaction the first mm-hmm. time I watched well, this, it, and, and it was, was several years ago. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, and, and that line comes at the very, very end. Like there, the very end. Yeah, yeah there's, there's nothing at all to suggest, you know, really one way or the other mm-hmm. for the duration of the film up to that point. And it's, yeah, oh, oh. Okay, I is is the is the heart of it really there? I I don't know that it that is. That I don't know. Yeah, that's that that's the thing. Um, but when uh, but yeah, like that's the only thing. It feels like oh yeah, and when and and I, it doesn't seem super authentic or super organic. Yeah, me, and and it's 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 played for laughs. It's it's a, it's, 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 it's a comedy moment. Yeah, yeah. It's like and it makes me like I don't know that I don't know. It doesn't ring as true, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But um, up for the most part, I think it's a it's a great film. It's um, definitely good for Halloween. Um, it is. Uh, I wouldn't call it like his best movie. Like I already explained why, but I do think it's a good follow up to Coraline. I think it yeah. pair really well with Coraline because kid protagonists dealing with supernatural things and I think that that's something that's pretty pretty fun about it Um, yeah what do you got got, Tim so I I've watched this movie exactly twice the first time I watched it I you know I had you know some some kind of mixed reactions I liked it I thought it was you know okay not great I actually liked it better this time around yeah there's 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 a lot that's good here I think it's it's a it's still a little thin in places like the the things I thought that didn't quite work or you know maybe they could have done just just ever so slightly better I feel like those are still valid criticisms I feel like they don't detract from the movie as much as I originally thought they did I I agree this is not the best best movie out of this studio I I think yeah they're I think they've done five total I think yeah, for for me, Kubo is is my personal favorite. I would put that one next to Coraline, and those can go back and forth for yeah know, for 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 spot one. I think uh, between this and Box Trolls, you compete for uh, for third, and and then I, I think this is better than Box Trolls. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think There's, it has more heart. It has more stuff going on than yeah, Box Trolls and does. Th- that's 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 fair. There yeah. some some of the same things that I. I thought could have been better about this one are slightly more pronounced in, in box trolls where it's like, they, they could have done the same, that the, the same thing. It's like, yeah, they were slightly less good in, in box trolls, but there were things I liked about that one better than, than, than Paranorman. So for, for me, those, those compete for third and then, you know, missing link, which is beautifully animated, but eh, not, not the best characters or, or storytelling really. It's, it's, it's pretty thin and, and a little ham fisted even. Yeah, um, I that one I haven't seen. So that, yeah. I, I have no opinion on that one. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I do enjoy the movie. I, I think, uh, and I hear you, I, I get it. Um, I don't think, I think one of my the thing about box trolls is that it doesn't have like the it doesn't have a rich depth of things that I can mine into it as much. Um, like I like the fact that there's like a thing about whitewashing history and mm-hmm. and the tours the tourification or the the what is it the monetizing of a of a bad event and something like that. I think that that's yeah. I think that that's pretty interesting and I and I like the fact that Agatha is his age, like that he's that she's like we're we're kind of like led to believe that this is like an old witch or anything, but no, this is just like a like a little girl who could do things who uh, who turns out is related to to norman in some some way some kind of great cousin of some kind and like and i think that that's like i i like that more i mean like and so like there's a lot there with like how we portray history and how we gloss over things and how we change things and like stuff like like i think that that's that's cool that that's there in, yeah. a, in a kid's movie and i don't feel like box trolls had that going well so, yeah I'll, I'll i'll disagree with you there it played some of the same yeah. notes because you you had mm-hmm. some nefarious actors who yeah, yeah. were were 
you know, twisting the uh, the narrative of, mm-hmm. of past events to their own ends and mm-hmm. and and profiting from it, monetizing it, and 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 there are family connections that are are not not really explicitly drawn, but they're they're there, and and mm-hmm. and that was something I I would have liked a little more of in in both films actually, but I I agree that Paranorman does some of those things better than than the Box Trolls does. I felt like the I I think what I like better about Box Trolls was the the world building. I, I felt like mm. that was a little richer than it was here in Paranorman. Like mm. I, I yeah, they, like, yeah, they don't have to okay, build it. Yeah. They don't. It's our world, so they don't have to build it yeah. as much. And yeah. So I the, the only uh, I get where you're coming from. Like if you have to really look for it in in that one um, in Paranorman, um, because uh, and I didn't really this time I really took a look at that stuff. Um, I was just trying to find all the all like I would I'll be honest I would totally eat at a place called Witchy Wieners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, but I mean, like that's that's what we get. We only get like little sight gag kind of things when it comes to to the to world building here. But it's ostensibly in our world, like so. Essentially, yeah, as, as, yeah. It's it's in you know in theory, like uh, in in that time. Whereas box trolls is like it's a little bit in the past. It's it's yeah, kind of in this like other play. And so like that's that I that, so I get where you're coming. Now there are some things that I noticed that both movies share. Um, other than a child who talks to ghosts, that is a, but that is, that is a thing that happens. Mm. Um, so compassion and empathy are things that happen in both movies. Um, Zelda Rubenstein's character is actually coming. Uh, she's not really viewing the ghosts as enemies per se. Um, just people that need to be reckoned with. I mean, people who are you know justifiably pissed off. Um, and that, and I think Norman does that as well. Like he's like, you are justifiably pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so like there's, so there's that thing going, the word poltergeist is of course said in both movies. Um, one being called poltergeist and then the grandma yep. says it at, at one point um the my but the one of my favorite things that have that share in common is so there's there's face rip guy who just wanted who is hungry and wanted a midnight snack um and he has a bad time and then there's this guy who's around who's in the town and he's like i don't know why there'd be I, there's really no good reason for that vending machine to be there but the, he's a guy just wanted to get a bit get something from a vending machine and the zombies come and scare him and he and his thing gets stuck in the vending machine and he's like screaming and he like runs away but still comes back to get it yep. and like and so like a guy trying to have a snack has a bad time <laughs> that's i love it when weird little things like that sync up uh, yeah, yeah yeah bizarre little parallel there yeah yeah did you notice anything like that really not other than than we've already said Okay. I mean, there, there's, there's family stuff going on because mm-hmm. you know Norman has, has got his parents and his and his older sister, and you know, there's there's his his uncle as well, you know, sort of a bit toward the beginning, mm-hmm. and you know in 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 Poltergeist, of course, it's it's a lot of it is is a family drama how how this family you know comes together around around these events. And, well, um, and and then and then he builds his like he he builds his family in a sense. Yeah, um, with, yeah. with his with his Scooby Gang, and it's great that his sister is actually part of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah cool. All right, so okay, um, all right, so I guess grade wise, I don't know how about you? So, so one for 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 Poltergeist and for Norman, uh, or Paranorman. But yeah. So for for different reasons, you know, ni- neither of these is perfect. Mm-hmm. But to to me, Poltergeist, you know, particularly because it is has held up so well, this is this is kind of like B plus territory for me this i mean yeah craig t nelson is, is a good actor uh although he I, feels more mr incredible in this than he does in like so the only it's this movie and coach are really the only real yeah. bearings i have on him and he feels well and mr and the incredibles of course and he yeah. feels more like mr incredible in this than he does in coach for me <laughs> yeah yeah that's 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 certainly true um, he gets the job done that's that's all that's important yeah. yeah and it's it's a it's a pretty solid talented cast overall but it's mm-hmm. it's not like 
anybody blows me away with their performance. Mm. And this this is kind of you know just a, a high quality B movie kind of thing. So this 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 is B plus territory for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, Paranorman for for similar reasons. It's like, you know, I I I like the artistry of it. You know, even if it's it's not my personal style, I I can appreciate. You know, I, I I've said this a million times. Horror is not my usual thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's just not. But I can still appreciate it. And yeah, I, I like the, the cartooniness of it. And, and there, there's some neat gags that, that tickled my, my funny bone here. And I, I tend to like the, the horror comedy stuff. Well, and, and, and this is a, a, a good entry in, in that vein. So yeah, also, also B plus. Yeah. That's it's B plus for me on both of them as well. Kubo is in that, is in that a territory and, and, yeah, so, and yeah. so is Coraline the like, and it's kind of the same thing with like Poltergeist. There's some things that kind of keep it away from, from the a territory, but it gets pretty close. Um, so they're both pretty like, I, I like it, I do think Poltergeist is a better movie than Paranorman, of course. Um, but for different reasons and they're, they're both yeah. different things doing different. Yeah. I'm not, they're not, I'm not comparing apples and oranges here really. Um, but I am comparing like Granny Smith's to Macintosh, maybe. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so, like, I feel like that there's something for one's more of a family movie than the other. Although I had a weird family, we we would <laughs> we would we would have all watched Poltergeist together. Yeah, probably yeah. did at least once. I think um, I actually do think that this actually did work as an interesting double feature together. They do actually kind of go well with each other, despite one being like an animated film and one being live action and 30 years in between them. Um, I think that this uh, this really worked really well. And this kind of tells us a lot about like how sometimes even a movie to release in the summer might be more fitting for Halloween. But that's the thing I found pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Because both of these movies you could watch at Halloween and it'd be great. Yeah, happens from time to time. You know, horror movies can get released any time of the year, really. And, yeah, and they, they get, get replay around Halloween. Yeah. For a while there, January was like a time to do it because like, well, we've got to do something because here's a horror film. Yeah, um, yeah. Low, <laughs> low budget stuff that they don't expect to really perform. So, yeah. Uh, we'll drop it here. Yep. Um, but yeah. Um, so, and a horror very much is my wheelhouse. And so these are two movies that I am actually quite a big fan of. Um, but speaking of things that are that are more Tim's wheelhouse, we will actually. So our second part of this in our little summer series of uh, movies of summer's past, we will be looking at Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, which came out in 1982, and we will be pairing that with Batman Returns from 1992. So we're going to be doing the sequel um, for the next one. So <laughs> revenge uh, of the sequel, revenge of the sequel. So get ready for that. Um, we will have that coming on hopefully relatively soon. Um, we have a few more coming along. Um, there's some that we are working on to kind of find a good pairing, but, uh, we are getting there and, um, we, uh, we'll figure that out soon. Yeah. And, uh, if you've got other ideas, tweet at us, we'd love to hear them. Maybe we'll do them. So that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.